Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. My name is Stephen Clark and I'm joined by always my co-host Nick Ponte. How are you doing this week, Nick? I'm all right, Stephen. All good. Pretty buzzing good. after our uh, our online uh, networking events. We had a good turnout again. Um, so we're doing these every uh, first Monday of the month. We're doing them. So uh, if you haven't joined one yet, please join in. Yeah, and the Monday nights was Aberdeen. Was really, really good. Um, you put me on the spotlight and you made me share some case studies, which was uh, which was fun. I think that's what I think that's what people like about it, you know, because they can see kind of the real numbers and and the, the opportunities as well. So we had some really good feedback. So thanks everybody for joining us. Yeah. So this week we've got an exciting interview um, with Ted Singh, um, a podcaster and a property investor who has done phenomenal in what was it nine months? He's acquired fifteen properties. You know, built a portfolio of £1.5 million and he's putting hardly any his own money. He's done a lot with private investment funding. He's done phenomenal in such a short space of time, hasn't he? Crazy numbers and a really kind of um, amazing story, actually. If you follow him on Instagram, he's got a huge online following. And I think that's obviously what he uh, attributes his success to, basically, because when we asked him, how do you manage it? How do you fund it? He basically pointed to his yellow T-shirt you know, the Tej Talks brand basically does it all. And that's what mm. attracts all the investments. So, you know, again, it's a big lesson for people who are starting out to get building that online presence and that online brand, because that's what will bring the opportunity. Yeah. And he's a really articulated guy. He's, he comes across very well and he explains things really, really good. His analogies were really, really good. Yeah, yeah it was fun. fun. It was a good laugh. The guy's got a good sense of humour and I think you'll really enjoy this uh, this interview. So we'll cut to Ted Singh, uh, otherwise known as Ted Talks on Instagram and his podcast. Hope you enjoy the interview, guys. Ted Singh, welcome to the Scottish Property Podcast, also known as Ted Talks on Instagram. You've got a huge brand on Instagram, so we're delighted to have you on board to do an interview with today. Ted, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I think this is the furthest north. I know it's a different place, but the furthest north podcast I've ever been on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll hopefully get you a few few more listeners from up yeah. in Scotland because you, uh, you're you also a fellow podcaster. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I came across you in the first place, actually. So loving your work. Excellent. Thank you. I think to give it a bit of, uh, kind of context, and a lot of the listeners won't be familiar with you. So can you just give us a little sort of backstory to how you got involved in property please sure so i went to university uh, you know biggest party three years of partying great great fun um lots of debt totally worthless um i learned a few things i suppose i then graduated i had like 40 or 50 interviews to get a single job despite having a good degree i was like okay this is interesting had a job in kind of pharmaceuticals and then basically got fired after about six months because frankly, I just stopped caring. I didn't believe in the ethics. They were like, look, you're just not the same. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here. So um, got fired, then started a recruitment business because I thought, oh, let's let's go into something more ethical than pharma. And of course, you know, what's more ethical than recruitment? So um, that went on for about three and a half, I think four years. And I think it's what you call golden handcuffs. You know, I wasn't enjoying it, but I was making money. And so you're kind of like, you know, where do we stop? Where do we draw the line? And eventually I just said, you know what? I can't be doing this anymore. I built up, you know, enough cash to sustain me for about a year, maybe a bit more. I also 
I don't know. I loved grand designs and amazing spaces. And I always love interior design and construction. It's a bit like science to kind of how it works. So I, I kind of knew in my last year of recruitment, like, okay, let's do property, you know, let's, let's, let's do something with what I really love. And uh, yeah, I just did a lot of education, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay for any, but I read a lot of books, did a lot of this, did a lot of that. Um, and then I, I kind of just said, you know what, uh, let's do property. And then a few months later, I said, right, you know, recruitment business, going to take it right down and then just focus on property. What so, did you yeah. do? What was your exit with the, the recruitment business then? Did you did you sell that? Did you come out of it with um, a bit of cash? Or? No, so I've still got it. it. It kind of functions as it pays me a salary um, right, for, okay. for mortgage purposes and things like that. So it's it's my bank, basically. It's sitting there until, yeah, I do something with it. Cool, cool. So, Superb. And what, and what strategies did you initially get involved in in property and what strategies do you currently do? So I start but well, you know what? i started with wanting to do bite lets i think the kind of vanilla single let thing whether it was a choice or it was kind of a oh let's start with the basics and then we can you know we can learn that stuff later i can't remember but at the time actually i was looking at rent to rent uh and i nearly had a rent to rent um near heathrow where i used to live like you know pretty much almost a day before kind of my offer was going to be accepted i was like I'm not doing this because I didn't really put much effort into it. I clearly wasn't that interested because if I like something, I go all in and I, I didn't go all in. And, you know, did I need a rent to rent and some cash flow? No. But if I was to go back now, I would tell myself, listen, get two or three rent to rents, whether it's rent to SA and someone else manages it, whatever, just have some cash flow because they're not difficult to obtain and set up can be difficult to maintain but i would certainly have a couple rent to rents if i started again but buy to lets and buy to lets is exclusively what i've done i have one essay but it's a buy to essay and it is totally hands-off the management company are fantastic i do pretty much zero okay, so it's so just buy renovate uh, rent and refinance strategies then yeah, buy, refurbish, refinance, rent it out. So, you know, using investor funds, putting it in, buying with cash or bridge, getting out as soon as I can, which obviously coronavirus has been a bit tricky, and then going again and, you know, leaving a bit in every time or none, depending on the deal. Um, but yeah, recycling that cash and just going and going again. There's a couple of things that you mentioned there about the, the kind of, you know, people who are starting out, you know, the rent to rent would be a good option for them. I, I totally agree, but obviously... Uh, you know, there are certain things which I don't like about rent to rent, which is like, it seems like it's a kind of bit out of your control. Like, you know, you're at the mercy of the landlord and if, you know, they could pull the plug on you and all that. So I, I did a couple of rent to rents, but it is pretty low risk, I think, as long as you don't like pump loads of money into it. Yeah, I think, you know, if, but if you're doing a rent to rent in, I don't know, you know, say parts of London or cities in Scotland that rent is expensive, you know, you are then liable for a lot of rent so you need to make sure you're signing up to these three four five k a month properties to the landlord you just times that by six you know as a minimum you need to make sure you have that so it, it, it is low risk but you have to calculate it in that sense right because it can get crazy if you let it yeah super take, take us back to your port your, your portfolio because I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts recently and i was amazed at kind of how 
quickly you've built up this this portfolio. I mean, you, what, how long have you been going for, and what's the kind of portfolio looking like right now? Because I think the mm. listeners would see my my kind of amazement and how successful <laughs> it's been so far. So I think to date, um, I think I've been in property for a year and a, a year and a half, maybe full time. But basically, I stopped buying as soon as Corona hit and lockdown happened. I stopped buying. So in those first nine months, I built the portfolio from zero to um, 1.1 million. Um, and that was a total of 15 properties purchased over the nine months. Um, wow. wow, you're yeah. a busy boy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's mental, mate. I, um, just can't, I can't, honestly, I'm, I set myself a goal at the start of the year to buy like three buy to lets and I've only bought one. And you've bought like 15 in just over a year. That's mental. I think, you know what, it is... It's incredibly stressful and I never see it how you said it because all I see is the absolute stress, headache, mistakes, yeah. money lost. So, yeah, some money made, but honestly, it's, yeah, it, it's a lot. And, you know, had Corona not happened, you know, potentially would have carried on at two, three a month. Well, until now. So, it was going to get crazier, but uh, yeah. So like, so, so for people who are starting out, right. Okay. People are trying to kind of comprehend this. These are properties that you're actually, you know, physically buying. These aren't rent to rents, right? So this is, this is significant here. So did you start with a big bag of cash? How did you manage, you know, you're talking about, you get private finance, but how can you just start out with having no experience in property and mm. manage to propel yourself into that level? So, you know, it's on my t-shirt, it's on my top, it's the brand, you know, like I started off with how much of my own money, maybe something like 25 grand of my own money. So not um, a huge amount. <clears throat> no, I mean, even in, you know, like cheap places in England, Yorkshire, Liverpool, you know, Wales where I invest, it's not a huge amount when you take in costs, refurb, deposit, etc. So my first deal was going to be bridged, which obviously I had more than enough for a deposit. It was 50K the first house I was buying. The broker at the time, who I've never used since, totally messed it up. I got so irritated and impatient as I am, or I have been, and I funded it with a family member. So they gave me about 25, 26 grand on top of that to kind of split the difference. I think I then maybe put in a little bit more. So of this, you know, million pound plus portfolio, I have probably put in my own money to the tune of overall, I don't know, 35, 40 grand is, is somewhere in the ether. You know, it's, it's, it's in various houses. But as soon as I had that first deal, it opened the doors. You know, people said, oh, you're an adult. You can buy houses. Tick, tick, tick. Oh, and it was an investor. Yeah, it was a family member, but it's still an investor. And that, that alone... Because people say, oh, how do I fund my first deal? And the cold, hard answer sometimes is you fund it yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you Would you give money to someone who has never done a deal before? I wouldn't. No, so, did, so, so as soon as you got that first one, did you just like basically plaster it all over your social media, use it as a case study, try to build up the trust, show people that you kind of like, you know, you were credible, you were trustworthy, mm. that sort of thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly did. Like, but well, now that I look back at it, I probably didn't post enough about that first deal. Like just thinking now, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even think of if I like many posts where I wrote about it. So I definitely did. 
and it definitely helped but i think you know you know you know it's when you're a podcaster you're interviewing people people are hearing your voice every friday every wednesday two or three times a week they're going on your youtube they're going on your facebook when you're in so i'm basically having lots of different touch points like a spider with with so many people thousands of people every day and i have no clue who they are what they do where they live you know until they until we have a contact and i think it was that continuously interviewing awesome people um showing my mistakes showing the issues that kind of got people interested um you know my second deal was funded on like a cross bridge so that was no money in uh, i think i spent 250 quid on some legal rubbish but you know that still wasn't investor funded my third deal was investor funded which took which was probably i don't know two or three months from the first deal right and but people don't want to hear that they want to hear oh you got your deal yeah. funded but it's like hold on i had to hustle for three months minimum and do this every single day every single hour until I could raise that money. And with those 15 properties then, I mean, you with the investors that you have, I mean, I take it like, did you just manage to get like, you know, a couple of like good solid investors that backed you or did you have to like find 15 different investors? A good question. So I have one big investor who's probably, so in the nine months I raised 598,000 pounds. So no JVs, I don't JV. Um, You basically take the money and you pay it back with interest. A hundred percent clean cut, no marriage, no getting in bed together commercially. It's kind of in and out done. Um, Now with that, I would say 300 ish of that has come from one investor. 75 ish has come from another and then the kind of rest of it is a mix. You know, I did an earn and learn program where people would invest with me. They'd get a lower interest rate. Of course they would. But they'd be learning with me. They'd have my mentorship. They'd have my you know documents. So I would say 50, 60% is, you know, big investors. And the rest is kind of smaller investors, you could say. So, so from your experience then, you know how you get these um, sort of statements banded about by gurus and people who sell courses where, you know, you can invest in property with no money. Like, would you say from your experience, can that be done? And, you know, how, how hard is it to be done with like no experience and no money? I mean, no experience, I think, is the key thing here, because if you have experience, you can get money like so. Let's say, you know, I didn't start Hedge Talks, you know, two years ago, whatever. Let's say I started it now with 15 houses. I'm going to get money quick, you know, but I started it with nothing. So my experience now will allow me to raise money. So if you, if you have no experience, you, know, you really got to ask yourself, look in your bank account, look at your hard, hard earned savings, whether it's 10 quid or 100 quid or 100 grand. Are you going to give that to someone with no experience? Maybe. Even if you have a first charge on the property, you know, you know, people are not going to do that. So I would say if you haven't got experience, you haven't got money. What the fuck do you bring to the table? Sorry. You know, you've got time. But I mean, you know, I think they, they these trainers use it. And what they basically mean is other people's money. But they just say no money because it's not yours. Um, But if you haven't got experience, is someone going to give you money? And if you haven't got you know, if you haven't got money, but you've got experience, someone will give you money. So it's partly true. But I mean, how many people do we know who have had their first deal funded by a complete stranger? 
Yeah, no one. You can see yeah. how it's so easy for young people, especially, to get sucked in with that, though, isn't it? And then they quickly realise yeah. the kind of reality of it. But yeah, so like you said, podcast before you actually started investing in property yourself, then. Yeah, so I, I I think I started it like a good five months before I even did like a viewing. I don't even know. I can't. Even, I just can't remember really. But it was definitely a good five months before I kind of really was like actually buying. I was learning. I was meeting people. I was networking. I was speaking to sources, looking at areas, travel. You know, I was, and I guess I was finishing off some of my recruitment stuff as well. But yeah, I did it before. So I was just interviewing people. I was not talking about myself for a while. Which yeah, fast tracks your learning and gives you credibility. Obviously, getting them on a podcast and, mm-hmm. and speaking to them, which is which is great. And let's like just uh, shout out the Tedge Talks podcast then, because you know, talking about half a million, half a million downloads or half a million listens, you know, mm. like that's significant, man. You're doing a great job for such Thank a you. short time. We know it. We know how difficult it is try to, mm. you know, do the podcast and keep up the consistency and all that. One of my questions was, you know, like. I mean, if you follow Ted on Instagram, you'll see you're juggling all these refurb projects. <laughs> you know, you're tri- you're building this brand. You're doing the podcast, and like, how the fuck do you manage everything, especially when your refurbs are like at the other side of the country? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's a great question, and people I often get asked that. And the question is. Um, you know, you're juggling knives and flames and you get burnt and you get cut consistently, continually, um, all the time, every day. Uh, there's, there's just no, I mean, you know, I think there's, there's simple stuff, which I probably don't do as much as I should, like using a Pomodoro timer to kind of focus on work, blocking your calendar out. Um, I'm a bit more erratic. I'm I'm trying to get into it, but I'm a little bit more erratic with it, which is actually probably a good thing because I can jump from carpenter to writing my book, to building a brand, to doing a podcast with you. So maybe it kind of helps me. But I think one of the biggest things I've realized is as humans and as entrepreneurs, and especially when we're new, we take a lot of time to go from, you know, uh, a problem to the solution and that time between the two of them costs us money and wastes our time and takes our mental headspace so the quicker you can go i've got a problem to i've got a solution the easier everything is to manage you know you get a call oh we're out of materials go can pick them up then you idiot don't tell me that go pick it up and then send me an invoice as soon as you can say that and put the phone down the better the sooner you can decide between two offers on your flip the better. So for me, I think quick decision-making and being passionate and learning about construction and refurbs has helped me do that. However, as you've seen from my Instagram, I've had cowboy builders. I've had to spend thousands later than I needed to. So like I said, I've been cut. I've been stabbed multiple times and burnt. So shit happens is how I manage it, I suppose. <laughs> like to, to go from that, I love that analogy. Actually, that's a broad analogy of that. Um, and I can relate to it so much myself there when you were saying that. Um, so my quick, my question was, yeah, do you, when you go from kind of zero to 15 properties in nine months, what parts of that do you kind of outsource and what do you do yourself? Like, do you source all the properties yourself or do you engage a sourcer? And obviously you're saying you're, you're, you're doing a lot of the managing the refurb yourself. Do you project manage every refurb, um, you know, every trade, every material type thing as well? Just or, make it clear, whereabouts, where, sorry mate, sorry Steve. 
just make it clear as well, like where do you live compared to where you invest as well? Because obviously. Sure. So uh, yeah, firstly, I live, or when I was investing heavily, I lived in West London, um, which is about, it's two hours minimum to South Wales. I think it's about 140 miles to my nearest house. um, And then maybe 180 to my furthest. The 180 miles is actually much better place to invest, but so bloody far. Um, so yeah, it takes two hours minimum. The M4 had like 50 mile an hour speed limit, so it took even longer. Um, yeah, Stephen. So how do I manage it, or what do I outsource? Um, I didn't outsource much. Uh, I mean, well, no, I guess I did. I mean, look, there was a point where agents were kind of not bringing me deals, but they would say, "Look, Tej, you need to offer this number. You know, do what you will with it." And I would trust that and it'd get done. My solicitors are super quick. My broker is incredible. My insurance brokers, all the professionals, aka not builders, are incredible in my team. And I have no complaints, even about my solicitors, no complaints. That helped a lot. But really, I sourced the deals myself. Yeah, I had some, you know, contacts and stuff who would give me deals, not sources. I I don't know what it's like in Scotland, but in England, sorry, people, but sources, most of them are absolute trash. (laughs) Um, so like I, I did a lot of it myself now am I managing individual trades I have been for the past month which is why you've probably seen me losing my shit every day at someone um, but before that no I had a master builder um, to put it in inverted commas who would manage his lads I might get a plumber in I might get a sparky in just because I knew them but it was really me managing the kind of main builder which you know it was so much easier even though he was a knob so much easier materials i only get involved in the swag so plaster concrete i don't give a crap skirting boards kitchen bathroom you builder has no say in it i am dictating what to do there so to be honest i would say that i didn't outsource any i was editing my own podcast i was doing my own social media i was designing my own brochures speaking to my own investors, speaking to agents, speaking to people, um, getting kitchens ordered, having beef with Magnet for getting orders wrong consistently, um, you know, writing blogs. Like I was doing everything. It's exhausting just thinking about it. Like, oh, God, I need a deep breath. But um, I should have outsourced more. But you know what? Sometimes it's tricky because you're like, well, like I enjoy you know, doing my social media stuff. I enjoy creating stuff. And like, I can't outsource the you know, refurbs necessarily. I can't, but I should have, I should have got a project manager and I should have got someone to sign stuff off because that cost I've spent it anyway. 100% mate. That, that sounds very, a lot of the experiences there that you were describing, I mean, you know, we can all kind of relate to it, but some of the things that really, that really kind of hit with me when you're going around these refurbs and you're dealing with some of these builders. I mean, you have had some really, really cowboy jobs, some like really bad stuff. So give us a little taste of, you know, some of the some of the kind of cowboy stories. Because I seen one was like you went and you took a picture on your Instagram. It was like all the central heat had been installed, but they just put the pipes up, not even connected the valves. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Is there any is there any other good ones for listeners that you can? <laughs> so that share? one was actually quite a good one in particular because you know basically he had to install a new radiator in the front room because there wasn't one there for, you know, whatever reason, old house. And um, it's got a suspended floor. So, you know, you, you know, you may not see the pipe work. I thought, you know, we all thought happy days. You you put it underneath. Well, good job, mate. Surprisingly good job. Anyways, I sent a plumber around. 
um, like someone I used to trust and who, you know, I've now almost taken to court. That's a different story. Um, he then was just, he was just having a look and he just pulled the pipe and he goes, the fuck? so imagine people listening, you got a radiator and obviously two pipes go into the ground. They just flicked around. Like they were just like, chilling. Oh yeah, that's right. They were connected at the valves yeah. and they went into the floor and then they weren't connected underneath. Yeah. And also the carpet fitters would have put carpet underneath it. And I know <laughs> trades don't get along and they all whine and they don't talk, but they didn't think to tell me, by the way, Tej, um, your pipes are just chilling. So that, that, that one, I was just like, what the f-? but maybe an even better one or not because it's costing me two grand is um cowboy chris as we're going to call him who i am taking to court and he's all like that's he's getting fucked mate if i see him on the streets i'm gonna be smiling um he had in a electric electrician also called chris funny enough who's also a bit of a dick and um had the house rewired now he gave me an electric certificate happy days um i then managed to speak to Chris, the other plumber, let's call him Evans. I spoke to Evans who had done this rewire about something else. And I said, oh, hey, mate. Um, he said, he goes to me, oh, Ted, yeah, we got to put the sockets above 450 for building regs. I was like, oh, you did the rewire and you didn't put it above 450 there. And he's like, I've never, oh, no. I was like, oh, maybe it's someone else then. I've never been to that house, mate. I've never been there. Okay. He texts me, has, has Chris ever put my name to anything? I go, yeah, here's the electric cert you signed. He goes, mate, I've never seen that in my life. I'm going to go around Chris's house and fucking knock on his door and sort him out. I was like, you do what you want to do, mate. I ain't saying nothing. Then I send a decent sparky round. He goes, Ted, the whole system is absolutely effed. You've got faults on every single thing. Rewire. And yeah. of course, it's got tenants in and furniture and carpets. Um, It's not unsafe that it's going to blow up, but yeah. I can't keep it. So now it's going to have to be chased. And this house is gorgeous. Fucking trunking everywhere now. Sorry, because it can't be chased. Yeah. Um, and two grand, although he's already been paid two grand. So, you know, it's, it's stuff like that is just... And, you know, people listening, don't ever let someone get away with this. As a matter of principle, I will spend a thousand pounds to take his T-shirt and his car and his house from him. I absolutely will on a matter of principle. So don't let people get away with it. It's, I've got a very similar one just now as well. I've had to take legal action to get a building mm. removed from the site as well. And, you know, I, I was kind of listening to you talking about that as well, thinking, fucking even, you're on the ball, even taking up the court. I've still not even put in the fucking submission of the court application yet. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's, uh, I, it's like you say, so much crap dealing with, with some builders. Unbelievable. And you have to check up on them. Look, people, if you're investing far from home, get, you don't necessarily need a project manager, but get someone in to sign off work every Friday before they invoice you, just, it, it, they don't even have to be in property. Get someone there and say, look, here's what should have been done. Check it off, send me videos, and then sign off payment. Pay someone 30 quid an hour to do that. It's, and if, it if you manage to kind of improve that process now, have you, you managed to find somebody who keep check yes. up on things? And that? Yeah, so um, big up my mate Mario. He just sees me on Instagram. He loves the content. He said, Tej, look, you put out so much content. Let me help you. I'm local. You know, tell me what to do. So I met him, took him around, and he's amazing he'll be like zooming up on a wall saying ted there's one little scuff here and oh it's a bit rough and he is like detailed too much which is good because you know i don't need that much on certain refurbs the fact he's doing it is amazing um and and the builders know and i found much better builders now but they know my boy's coming around so you're you're not getting the last 20 percent till he's proved it off so 
I do have someone who's doing it, but I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm not buying anymore in Wales anyway. So it's done. Are you? So why is why is that? You know what? For buy to lets and to pull out lots of money, fantastic. You know, the return on cash left in is incredible. Um, just like Yorkshire, Liverpool, you know, many parts of Scotland, I'm sure. But on flips and even on buy to lets, right? The margins are tight. You know, if you discover a problem and you got to spend an extra couple grand you're dropping your return by 20%. Now, around me in Hertfordshire, where I live now, and even just generally, you know, around parts of England and whatnot, you can build to rent and pull out all your money. You can build to sell, which is what I really want to do, flips, or even just do, you know, flips or commercial conversions, and you make 10 times the amount of money, but it's less headache because it's local. And I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Like, my flips in Wales have, have gone wrong, a lot of them. And they're not making as much money as they should. But if that was down the road for me, I'd still be laughing. You know, I'd still be making profit. So I can't be asked. I just, I just cannot be asked. I, you know, the portfolio is there. It's fine. It's yeah. passive enough. I'm going to do some stuff around here. At least that's, you've built, that's like, like, like hybrid type strategies. I do have a lot of arguments with some investor friends of mine who believe that they should never ever sell an asset and should hold every single thing. But when I'm saying, well, if I'm flipping a property and making 30 or 40 grand, how long did it take you to make that 250, 300 pound <laughs> positive cash flow per fucking month? Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, you'll have tenants' voids and maintenance issues and mm-hmm. pissing about and overspend on the refurb and stuff. So yeah, you're you're completely right. You can make more money doing other strategies, but the foundation of buy to let portfolio is great if it cash flows right and, and it mm-hmm. works well. The, yeah. the return on cash investment. I, I absolutely, yeah, I, I I love them both. I mean, I I'm, I love buy to let, and I'll keep building my assets, and they just tick away in the background. It's a pretty kind of low maintenance. Aim is to get twenty properties, but I also know that I'm a lot more passionate about you know, like you said, building something, creating mm. something. I think that's where you can really get excited about property, isn't it? Mm, yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, seen on I seen your stories yesterday. Actually, you were out visiting. Um, uh, it looked like a new build site, and some of that, yeah. some of that was fucking amazing. Like, I mean, that was we actually visited one of the um, one of the guys I was visiting. They one of their mates or something is building one there, and he spent something like sixty grand on just purely on oak because he's got oak beams and features throughout the house. And when you walked in, it just smelled like a forest full of oak. And you, that's the kind of stuff I love. Like. You know, I'm. Yeah. It, it's just having, you know, and actually they summarize it really nicely. When you've got a buy to let and you're doing a, a refurb, you're polishing a turd. With a new build or a conversion, all the walls are plumb, everything's flat, everything's hidden. It's great. I've never seen a flat wall in my life, mate. You think I've got flat walls? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, have a look at Stephen's got a good project going on at the moment. Hey, man, that's like something nice. He's opened it right out. Big bifold doors and all that. Really, really nice. Yeah, and It's a bit more creative. And it gets your creative juices flowing. Like, as much as you can do, a couple, I've got a few refurbs on the go at the moment where they're, they're by lets. And like you say, you're just, it's a plain shit. You've kind of just, yeah, you put the basic stuff down. It's not that exciting when you've done umpteen of them. You just you don't get passionate about it at all. Mm. Whereas when you do a flip and you can get creative with a, with a space and you can make something unique and obviously you can appeal it to the market where everyone gets excited and they pay over the asking price. Then these are these are successful projects and they're fun to do as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. So that that's why I'm meeting people like I was meeting Mackenberg yesterday because that's what I want to learn. That's yeah. what I want to do. So, uh, so is that is that the the portfolio going to is that is going to be as much as you build it, and now you're going to transition it into different strategies? 
I would say so. I mean, I'm selling, uh, so I've sold one. So it's now down to 14. I'm selling one, two, I'm selling two or three more. Um, and so I think I'll end up with, yeah, say 11 or 12, depending on if I sell one of them, you know, that times actually, I know we all say sort of 250 a month for buy to let is a safe thing. Um, I self-manage because there's no management. Uh, I'm probably netting 320 to 360 per buy to let. My SA is netting, I don't know, five, six to a, a thousand to a thousand five hundred. Depends on the month, obviously. So times that by 11 or you know 12, I'm good. Like if I want to, you know, wear baggy pants and travel the world and like, you know, be a hipster and shit, I'm ready. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> you've got no ties, mate. So like, yeah. So I'm going to leave it in Wales. But, you know, if I can build to rent, you know, around here in Hertfordshire and I can strategy. keep in, you know, a little bit of money or none, yeah. then we'll, we build. But you know what? What if I do all these flips, like you were saying, make around here, you know, 100, 150 grand. What if I put 30% of that into stocks? What if I give 30% to someone like me and I say, give me 10%, you know, I'm building wealth and building things in different ways. And I think, like you said, there's even people miss that out on flips. You know, if you've got a chunk of cash, cash makes cash. So, you know, I can do something with that chunk and it may not be property. What about, obviously, I mean, that does excite me, you know, doing the flips and making chunk good chunks of cash and all that. But obviously, that's all well and good in an up market like we've been experiencing for the last five years. You know, mm. for me, the mindset is, fuck, the, what we're sitting in at the moment is right. <laughs> the writing is on the wall. And I've heard you talk on, I think it was like the Witch podcast or something. They were asking you about market conditions, mm. you know, pending crash, all the rest of it. What is your... You know, what I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, what is your kind of like, what is your predictions, mate? What's going to happen? Uh, okay, yeah, good question. I mean, like I said, I I haven't been buying, and I'm not buying until I get the right signals. Now, you know what? It's a weird place to be, right? Because estate agents are as busy as they've ever been. Same with letting agents. People are paying above the odds, but we're starting to see valuers say, "Y'all are stupid. House ain't worth that much. Bring it back down." And things are dropping out. I've had it done to friends who are buying residentials and, and whatnot. Um, you're also seeing auctions have their best years ever, 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 ever. And I'm like, hold on a minute. So everyone's unemployed. Furlough's ending. You're all going to be fired. Um, the world is an absolute shit state. I can't even go to the gym anymore. I can't even go dance in a nightclub. I can't st- I can't shake your hand. Um, people's mental health is, is destroyed all other diseases are now increasing in prevalence and not being treated because of these lockdowns. And you just think, hold on a minute, the world is kind of falling apart. We're falling apart mentally. Um, the economy is just a mess. How the hell is everyone buying all these houses and auctions flying off the door and people overpaying? Like I get people got more money, furlough, bounce back loans, yeah. you know, but like, we're just sort of, like running on pumped up it's like running on drugs right you got no food in your stomach you're just running on injections of of energy of adrenaline and what happens when that adrenaline runs out and your stomach is empty and full of chemicals and your nerves are shot you collapse and you know whether the market collapses whether it's a great depression you know like in the american railroad crisis or whatever or it's like a 10 percent dip or it's you know i don't know yeah but something is coming and I think, you know, we're just kicking a can down the road 
and you know something is going to happen I'm going to say it's negative but there's always a positive there's always an opportunity but you know people are losing their jobs why how are they going to get mortgages how are they going to buy our flips how are they going to how are you going to sell your house when no one can get a mortgage I don't know the writing's on the wall like you said something's happening I think that's yeah. definitely a mindset thing, right? Because this year I've set my goals at the start of the year and I've, I've been shit, to be honest, but you haven't made hardly any traction, right? But then I look at Stephen here, sitting right here, and he's like, probably had one of his best years ever. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's, you know, we've not been able you to move the house. by the stress lines on my gone empty <laughs> forehead. Do you know what I mean? So there's got to be, there's gotta be something there, you know, like, there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's down to the individual as well on, mm-hmm. you, you pick up the papers and, they obviously thrive off the, mm. the, I mean, I used to work for newspapers, right? So I know how it works. And obviously it's like the most negative story, the most doom and gloom, you know, headline grabbing story that they can find, but they won't tell you about all the, you know, the money that people are still making from property at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like a 2% drop in the economy. <gasps> UK economy plunges uh, into recession. It's like, oh God, Daily Mail, fucking shut up. I I, yes, think you, I, I, I do strongly from... believe that you can make property in an upward market and a downward market. It's just exactly like you're saying, Tej, how you pivot, how you twist, look at the bigger picture, mm. you know, make your own mind up rather than listen to the masses or the negative media. Yeah. I mean, look, if you can get a deal 20, if you can buy it 20% below the already BMV you normally get, then if the market drops by 10, 20%, your end value works, but getting it 20% below what you're getting it, is is not just it's very difficult of course especially when everything's going above market so yeah but that's my that's my mindset anyway that's my view steven's steven's starting to come out with all these lines now these kind of guru <laughs> lines like you know you can make you can make money in a downwards market because he, he is actually running a good sort of property workshop that was one of the the questions that i was going to ask you obviously you uh, have got a book coming out um you know you're you do a little bit of the kind of I was going to say education, but you don't want to obviously be classed as a guru <laughs> as such. So where do you, where are you going with that kind of side of things? Yeah, so um, I have like I've got a few mentees. Like, you know, we do kind of monthly or well ad hoc stuff. Um, I've taught probably like five or six people. I have like a buy to let workshop that we go through everything in detail. So I have done some, but as you know, it's not public. It's not on my stuff. It's not you know you wouldn't know unless you asked me. And I kind of keep it that way because I'm trying to buy properties. I'm trying to build my brand. I'm trying to do other stuff. It's not a prime concern for me. But of course, if people want it and people want me to deliver it, then I will. Um, so yeah, it's not really spoken about, but it's definitely there. And you know, you have to be careful because the second you talk about it publicly um, and you want to be an educator, you've got a whole different kind of um, judgment. You've got a whole different, mm, there's a yeah. motive there. There's yeah. Even though you can give hours and hours of free content. I've given hundreds of hours away. But as soon as you kind of say it, people just change their perception. So um, I am, you know, with my book, I am releasing uh, like a kind of e-learning platform. I haven't really announced it yet, but I want it to be affordable. And I kind of want people to have something extra with the book, which I think I believe um, is going to give away at least 80% plus of what you pay for on courses. So might upset some people, but it's kind of, it's as far as I know, it's got almost everything in it. Certain things you can't have. So I'm going to kind of talk people through on an e-learning and show them, you know, here's how you use a spreadsheet. Here's how you do this um, to kind of supplement that because, you know, people don't always need 
£2,000 worth of a course, they might say, you know what, I want to learn about auctions or sourcing or raising finance. So I'm going to make it modular so people can say, look, you know, I just want to learn about one part. And hopefully it kind of is cheaper then and easier for people. That sounds good. You did mention a lot there about, you know, haters and people kind of upsetting quite a few people. I'm assuming you've kind of, you've kind of went done a fantastic job in such a short space of time i'm assuming you've had a lot of haters come to you like through social media and you know bitching <laughs> at you and taking a lot of pops at you how do you deal with that on social media you know what i find property to be quite a positive community so the main hate i think i had way early on was from um, another podcaster in property who was just who's blocked me ever since and just i don't know maybe he's really insecure but he was just hating on me from day one um, we'll find out who that is later on <laughs> privately <laughs> And he, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the main thing. I mean, look, I put, you know, I painted some stairs blue one time and I put it in a Facebook group and I, I, I kid you not, I had 164 comments, 160 of those comments were so rude and so distasteful. It's like a prison. It's like a drug rehab center. What were you thinking about some stairs? And I was like, I mean, you know what? Honestly, there isn't much hate, but when it is, all I kind of think is, firstly which i think is important i think is hold on is there truth in this is this feedback you know like hmm is that right yeah. let me let, yeah. let me assess this and then if it's if it is then you know I, I say thank you i don't like how you said it but i appreciate what you said if they're just totally trolling i just kind of think well you know who are you why have you got time to do this um have you got nothing better to do and you know they're probably you know would um would someone with a portfolio of 25 houses plus would they hate on you probably not would someone with two pound 50 in their bank account hate on you probably so you just kind of laugh and say well you know who's winning here yeah i'm all good you know it, their opinion doesn't matter whose opinion matters yours you, know, yeah. you and your friends and your family the people you love that's who matters so fuck the haters man fuck yeah. the haters fuck the haters actually <laughs> um actually quite uh i don't mind getting them at all i don't mind getting the ones that are just right out there i'm just say it the ones that you get that are like sneaky like passive aggressive you know there's a you know a little agenda but they're trying to be nice to you but you know underneath it they're like rah you know yeah those snakes man snakes in the grass yeah so like so you're clearly a marketer, right? I mean, I'm sitting looking at you now and I'm seeing the yellow and all over your Instagram. The minute yellow flashes up, I know it's Ted. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you have done a job there in building the brand, right? Have you. you ever been tempted um, as a marketer by going to the kind of like, you know, competing in that kind of like Samuel Leeds type space? Do you know what I mean? Because clearly you could probably do it with the amount of like falling that you've built over such a period of time, has that money ever tempted you to get into that? I mean, I don't know if we can compare it to Samuel Leeds. I mean, he's a marketer. Um, I don't know about his property investment skills or abilities. You know, I won't say anything for the sake of legality. But yeah, sorry, I'm um, not comparing you to Samuel yeah. Leeds. Sorry, that's... that's. I'm, I'm I mean, a bit better looking, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? The, the money hasn't tempted me and the money doesn't tempt me full stop. I look at the portfolio and every time I buy a new property, I don't think oh, 300 quid a month extra passive. I think, what kitchen we doing? Mm. What handles? Oh, what, what yeah, yeah. are we doing? What tiles are we doing? What grout are we using? Oh, what worktop? That is literally what I think. Until the day it's completed, that's what I. And then I'm like, oh, let's see the pictures. 
the money is so secondary to me. Um, and it's not because I'm a baller or anything. I'm fucking yeah. not, mate. It's always a struggle when you're growing. But, you know, I could do that. And yeah, maybe I'd clean up. I don't know. But because I'm so honest and I don't use Facebook ads and I don't use these lines like they do, yeah. I don't think I'd do that well because I'd be like, listen, property is really hard. Do yeah. you really want to pay me a grand to learn how to do it when it's so difficult and you're going to take a year to become... Do you... And people Just, are going to be like, no. Nah. I'm finding that same shit that I was well. Like my, one of my goals I started this year was to kind of... We had a, we had not at the bitch and morning session, but one of the first podcasts we did, we spoke about property education and we, we didn't like the moral concept of the fact that they charge you, you know, tens of thousands of pounds, the, the high pressure sales tactics and mm. the kind of immorals of who they're selling it to. So I thought, right, do you know what? I don't like being fucking negative about a situation. So I'm going to do something this year. And I set my goal at the start of the year to run a, a weekend workshop for, and I was basically looking at the cost it would cover. I'm going to charge a grand and I'm going to fucking cram everything in. It's not going to be theoretical bullshit. It's going to be, this is the real life shit. But mm-hmm. oh my God, let's see when you tell people the truth. It is hard to sell a fucking workshop. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Like no one wants to believe the hard, the, the stories and the, and the reality. They want to believe that I'm not going to say the Samuel leads is obviously an example that we'll all know, but I'm using that as an example, but you know what? These guys sell this kind of dream in this picture that it's easy and you can make millions, you can make money. See, when I put the reality on my Instagram, no one's going to fucking sign up for that. <laughs> a grand for that. And I'm like, shit, honestly, come and see me. It's good. Honestly, it's, it's real life stuff, but it's yeah. hard. And I completely, I completely relate to you. I think that's the beauty about Instagram stories. And because I've been following you for a while, I would be very, very surprised. And it would be a complete turn of character for you to then launch yourself up on a stage with like hundreds of people and start doing a marketing funnel. Do you know what I mean? Because like the last one I saw, you were like, you bought yourself a set of headphones. It was like 200 quid. You're like, I don't spend money myself. This is a big deal for me. Mm, <laughs> so you're not, trying to, you're not trying to portray that flashy lifestyle. So... I mean, I can, I've got mates with Lamborghinis. I'll happily pose in front of them in a watch and borrow their Rolex and be like, hey, you know, I've done parody videos of that and I will continue to do them. But that's how easy it is. If I know someone with a Lamborghini, multiple people, so do you, so does your uncle, so does it. It's so easy to pose and fake it. And honestly, yes, people do bad jobs, but come on, society, like people are stupid. Like people, to believe this stuff, you know, we can't always blame the trainer. Like people are always going to take advantage of other people. That is yeah. the unfortunate world we live in. We as a society need to be smarter and realize these things. So, uh, you know, we can't yeah. just blame them. As much as shit as they are, we can't just blame them. Yeah, don't have fairness, a, lot of probably, a lot of good quality stuff's probably getting taught out there. But like you say, if people mm. don't take action on what they're learning, then who can you blame? You can only blame yourself, but they will try and hate on this trainer. Oh, I spent 20 grand on this course and didn't, it didn't make me the money they said they're going to make. Well, did you do any action? Did you put any place for anything they said? No, they said it was going to, but I think it's probably the fact that they kind of made out it was easy that they're going, as soon as it's not easy, they go, this is not easy. Mm. Yep. And that's the problem. You get hooked in because you think it's easy. You paid for it when you get there. It's not, and then you don't want to do it because you thought it was easy. So everyone's to blame and everyone, everyone's, everyone's a dickhead basically. <laughs> that's how I summarize it. <laughs> I mean, talking about, uh, you know, like, obviously you must get some sort of inspiration from somewhere to kind of keep yourself, you know, keep the drive and all that. So is there any kind of names or anybody that you follow online that you would, that you like looking at the content, any inspiration that you look to? You know what? It's hard to name a single person and I won't name anyone because I'll forget people, but who inspires me? One is myself in five years. You know, who am I going to be then? What am I going to be doing then? Uh, 
secondly, I, you know what? Anyone who's doing what I want to do, anyone who is, and at the moment, that's people who are building stuff, people who are doing developments, people doing um, commercial stuff. Mm. They kind of inspire me on a very business level. They don't necessarily inspire my mindset, but they inspire me to be like, whoa, you got a deal, you know, 10 minutes from where I'm living. And that's an incredible deal. Mm. I have no excuse. So they kind of inspire me to be like, listen, so what? Nothing's on right move. Get your fucking wellies on, knock on some doors, walk on some land and, and find something. So a lot of people like that inspire me to just take action mechanically, i.e. go send letters. You know, these deals are achievable. Yeah. And then when it comes to mindset, I don't know. You know, I don't. I mean, I, I like Gary Vee. He, he speaks real talk. Yeah. He you, you ever get talk? a bit like I, I like went through a Gary V like I go through phases like I listen to him like loads and then I'm like oh, fuck it's the same old shite do you know what I mean and then I get fed up <laughs> it's Americans man they just it's like him and like Grant Cardone just chat shit turn eggs baby turn eggs you're saying nothing of any use like so for me yeah. I, I, I mean look Tim Ferriss is great I think he's a great I'm looking at his books he's a great interviewer yeah. you know but yeah, stuff like that yeah there's no like celebrity that i really really listen, kind of do you actually listen to other podcasts you know what i mainly listen to music in the car but yeah. long journeys i got audiobooks but i listen to uh, tim ferris um my friend james hota j2 hub my friend d ludlow ludlow street yeah. um tom bilyeu i listen to like okay. health ones and i do listen to them i definitely do cool is there anything else you want to add, mate? Because I think we're pretty much pretty much done. No, I think it's it's been a good interview. Um, you know, people check out my book. Um, you know, check the show notes of the, the podcast. There'll be a link in there. Yep. Send me a DM. Follow me on Instagram. Happy to chat. Happy to help you. You know, we've got a four-week lockdown in England now, so I'm going to be bored pretty soon. Oh, so <laughs> let's do something. That's crazy. I mean, like, we haven't actually gone to that. I think uh, our leader was holding off until we got the uh, the approval from the UK government that we were actually going to get the furlough because you guys down there control our money pretty much what comes oh, up to Scotland. You should leave England, man. England just, yeah, oh, fucking hell. Wales and England. Wales, England and Scotland should all split. That's what I'm saying. Let's do Brexit round three. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I have no clue, but I'd mean, be happier without England. Most countries after they invaded them. Anyways. Thank you so much, Tej. Thanks for joining us on the Scottish Property Podcast. And uh, everybody, go and follow Tej on Instagram. Go and check out his podcast. And we appreciate it greatly. Thank you. Check out his book released on the 15th of November, is it, Tej? Hopefully, if I'm on time, yep. You've got no excuse now. You're in lockdown. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So hope you enjoyed the interview, guys. As always, if you've got any feedback for us, then head over to our Scotch Property Facebook page, Scotch Property Podcast, as sorry. Uh, you can reach out myself and Stephen on Instagram, where you can follow our daily stories. And um, if you've got any ideas for the podcast, we welcome that as well. Uh, also want to give a wee shout out, review. And if you've got time, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So who have we got this week, Stephen? So this week we've got a five-star review from Stevie B2. Uh, recently started my own property journey last year and take a lot from the Scottish Property Podcast. Brilliant content from Nick and Stephen and look forward to tuning in every week. Thank you very much for that five-star review, Stevie. Appreciate it. Excellent. And we will be back next Friday with another interview. Look forward to seeing you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, guys. <laughs>